Don't run. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm an expert. What are you expert on? Well, we're he making left. a podcast for our class about dive bars. And, like, this episode is about gay bars, also dive bars. So, we also, this episode need My expert. argument is that and they're like, dive bars can't be gay. Like no. Gay bars can't be dive bars. But we want to talk to people can't in the bars. Can. Can be. No. At least I'm not in the city. God, this is a dive if you don't think bar. Uh, uh, oh, oh, that's it. Right there. Yeah, we, we didn't even mention the uh, fact this is Dive Bars, mm-hmm. The Last Call. Starring your host, Mike Wolf. And Amari Hall. That's the intro. There we go. We switched it up a bit. Oh, man. It's like, what? Almost three in the morning? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, this is it. And podcast about dive bars where we're not allowed to swear. So, uh, hey kids, this one's rated PG. I mean, you can kill people in a PG rated movie, but you can't swear, I guess. Which is kind of weird. Yeah, thanks Disney for that one. Hello, so we went to. Oh, yeah. The Q. The Q. Or is it Avenue Q? On, on Google, it's Q. Yeah, Q, Q bar. lounge bar. Yeah, it's definitely not a lounge. No, it's just a regular bar. No lounging going on there. We can't f-ing swear on this one. What's right. so, up, recipe time, babe? What I do, baby? We are doing Moscow's mule, right? Moscow mules, man. Moscow mules. Moscow yes. mules. The pronunciation does not matter. Um, right now I have in front of me two glasses. They look like those short, they're called short glasses? Uh, these, these ones I think would be called highball glasses. You they, know, they're not very high. They're, they're highball glasses because of the kind of cocktails usually served in them would be a highball, which is like a liquor and a mixer. Time out. What's the difference between this and like the, um, whiskey glasses? It's so like whiskey glasses, like snifters, and a lot of the rounder glasses are meant for you to like inhale uh, the the scent, like get get the the nose. I think it'd be called if we were fancy, right? Of the the booze. So like that's for stuff where you're trying to smell and taste the liquor that you're about to drink. Um, in this case, since it's a highball, since it's a, a cocktail. We just want to have the most efficient way for us to mix it and keep everything in the glass and not spill it and be able to get all the ingredients in there, I think. So yeah. that's why we use a, a short highball glass for this one. A tall highball glass would be used for a double. So like if you order a double at a bar, um, that, that's what that would be. Highball glass is just like a, a regular old round glass um, with square edges. Okay. I feel really bougie with the short highball glasses right now. Um, I'm gonna pick up the ice cubes and crack them. So pop them out of the tray first. Uh, since we're using a silicone tray, you kind of like unroll, pop it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, yeah. You sort of like you know. They're easier it. to handle. Right, and then hold it low in your hand, uh, like cup your hand under it. Like pop this? your hand into the glass. Oh. Into the glass a little bit, like on you. You should be holding the ice cube by like fingertips in the glass. So uh, kind of like this. Oh, like this? Yeah, there we go. And turn it flat so the long way is easiest to hit. I'll keep your hand the same way. This is really hard over radio, but there we go. So then we have the largest surface area you can hit. 
Then you're gonna take this the is bar spoon. Be mine. Yeah. So yeah. bar spoon, you're gonna want to hold close to the end mm -hmm. and get a good whack. Yep. Yeah, and hit it with a sharp Whoa. edge. Oh wow. <laughs> okay. So you're gonna do yours on this because one, I have a thing with touching other people's. Yeah. Whatever. Two. If we've shared straws, then yeah. Okay. So I, you guys can't see this, but I broke it poorly. I cracked the ends, and there's a large. Ice cube. Oh, so the, the thing that uh, Amari missed is like use the sharp edge of the bar spoon. So bar spoons, if you haven't seen one before, they're really long and like kind of heavy. So what we want to do is use that that momentum there and just. Oops. I'm not doing great either. <laughs> there we go. And kind of like crush the ice a little bit in your hand and then drop it into the glass. Um, you probably heard all the whacks. Yeah, I can see them on the audio. Um, but, you know, th that's it. It's not necessarily a one-whack job unless you're some kind of amazing, like, Tom Cruise in, uh, what was that movie? I oh, that's way before your time. Uh, there was a Tom Cruise movie where his it. plunged that out of my memory. Um, all right, so, moving onward. I uh, can, we, uh, we have a lime right here, ginger beer and oh, vodka. Ice cube on the floor. to cut the... A roll the lime. Oh, okay, I'm gonna roll the lime first, because... You know, you want to get the juices out. Got a little juices out because I've already Juicy. accidentally cut them. You know, <laughs> premeditated. Um, I am cutting both lines. I cut it in half already. I think I'm going to cut them in quarters unless that's incorrect. So we're doing wedges. You, you can do for like most cocktails either wedges or slices. So it's either like you're you're going long way. Wait, baby, hot dog. Wait, no, that, that doesn't really Vertical? fit. Yeah, like, uh, so if the stems are on either side, this is really hard to describe over the radio. Yeah. Um, so you, you're either making rounds. Oh, yeah, that's it. It's either rounds or wedges because they're either rounds or okay. wedges. Yeah. yeah, okay, there we go. So we're doing wedges this time because we already have the ice in the glass. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot more sense because when we stir it up, that's one more thing to just kind of like get in there and mix up all the ingredients. Plus, it'll express a lot more of the oils and things that are in the peel and the other parts of the lime. So it's kind of nice having a wedge when you're doing that. You can get these um, limes from Aldi's for one eighty nine. Are Dang. they the ripest? Who knows? Maybe tomorrow. It smells limey. I'll do. Um, We're not getting like scurvy today. Would you like one or two wedges? I'll do one. Yeah, okay. it's, it's a little teeny glass that we're working with. So here. should I squeeze it in or put it on the side? I would uh, wipe it around the rim. And then pop it in. Could you demonstrate that for us? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, y'all can't see this. But I'm just going to wipe it around the rim. Why? Because then the first couple of sips you get, you get like an extra bash of lime. Ooh. It's kind of cool. So I'm going to try to mimic what he just done. All right. Oh. Plus that cuts open some of the inner like little mm -hmm. membranes and lime on the edge of the glass. And then when the liquor hits it and everything else, it'll, it'll diffuse a little better. It's kind of two things at once. The um, ginger beer we have here was freshly oh. made by our very own producer, Michael Wolf. Thanks, Gibby. The first batch sucked, so hopefully this one's good. But we gotta do the vodka first, right? Yes. All right. So we're working with a uh, vodka, I believe, out of Rochester? Uh, Recipe Ooh. 21, right? Yeah, it, it it's amazing because like all the other craft liquors that have popped up around here have been very fancy. And uh, recipe 21 is like plastic jug vodka. Mm -hmm. So this is, I guess, for college students, a little more realistic. 40% alcohol per yeah. volume. This isn't like Tito's, man. We're, we're working with... Uh, Amsterdam level. Uh, below yeah. New Amsterdam? 
surprisingly good. That's actually my favorite cocktail. But I think H&M also is like 40%. I don't know if it's the 80 proof. But their 175 is glass served. So it comes in glass bottle. This is, this is plastic jug vodka. This is like jungle juice vodka. (laughs) Can you uh, demonstrate up to which line I should put it? So uh, usually I would use a jigger. um, Why don't we just eyeball it, man? We're trying to make like good quick drinks. All Mm -hmm. right. So what I would do is like, just imagine a shot and a half per drink. Okay, I'm gonna feel it emotionally and hope that it's accurate. That's your eyeball cocktail. <laughs> that that looks right. An, yes, and this is yes. A little more on the other one because now that one's got more. Mm, okay, then I call dibs on the one that has less. Damn it! All right, fair enough. Okay, now the ginger beer. Uh, I have no idea if this like fermented to the point where it should actually even pressurize, but um, ideally you would use like a good ginger. Beer, so like not ginger ale. Ginger ale is a lot more sugary and a lot less, uh, I guess, spicy. You know, because ginger, like actual ginger root, if you bit into it, it it, it burns, right? Um, it's not capsaicin. I don't know what the exact thing. Is. It's closer to like a horseradish uh, burn, where it like hits you in the nose and everything else. So ginger beer versus like a ginger ale is just a fermented ginger root. Uh, So for mine, it was literally just uh, throwing into a carboy sugar along with, like white sugar, along with a ginger root that I grated along with probably some of my fingertips got grated in there and uh, letting it go for fucking weeks. Uh, I think I did four, three weeks um, just in a vented uh, fermentation and then put it into bottles to pressurize after that uh, and some filtering uh, for about two weeks. Be very careful if you try this to make sure that when you do the pressurized part, they're going to vessels that can actually handle pressure. So like basically beer making equipment, even though this is a non-alcoholic ferment um, for the most part, just just don't blow up a glass bottle in your bathtub. Use, use fermentation safe, like pressure safe vessels if you're gonna ferment anything because you never know if something like clogged and, and totally f- your day up. Uh, so let's see what happens when we open this up. This should be a nice, like, flu. I'm going to be honest with you. I've never had ginger beer. Well, I'm uh, not even a fan of ginger juice. Fever Tree makes excellent stuff, but it's like $8 for a four-pack. This cost me about 50 cents to make. Ooh. Let's go. Oh, that was a good pop. Man. All right, Love so it did thing. pressurize. So that means that after I did the second fermentation, the uh, the CO2 actually got forced back into the liquid. Um, chemistry majors or whatever nerds should know about that. Right, let's do this. That, that is a more promising color than the other one did. And a lot more fizz. Cool. So the car- the carbonation here doesn't come from less, like injecting CO2 or anything. It just comes from the yeast off-gassing, and then it's a it's an enclosed space in the second fermentation bottle. So it forces the CO2 into the liquid. Ah, there we go. All right, give it a stir. You guys should subscribe to his page if you would like to learn more about the um, art of culinary science. That could be a whole separate podcast, could not it? Yes. You guys should try his pickles. It's delicious. I want to say I stirred this enough. That doesn't take too much because we're dumping everything in there. It is. Okay. All right. See how it goes. And now we are going to try the Moscow Mule. Moscow Mule. All right. Ooh. Yes. So I think this it's batch delicious. of uh, ginger beer is a lot better than the other one. 
Um, the, the hard part with the ginger beer is getting the ratio of sugar to water to ground up ginger right, and then using the right kind of ginger. And uh, this one tastes better than the other batch. I'm not I'm sure be why. Real. I'm not a ginger fan, and how for some reason I'm a fan of this. Same as the um, what's it called um, the martinis. I oh, hate yeah. olives with my life. I will outlaw olives, but those martinis were delicious. This Moscow Mule is great. I would rank it, but then every episode I just rank all the drinks ten out of ten. That's another uh, another podcast. Mm-hmm. Oh man, it's tasty. Ginger is supposed to be good for you, right? I hope so. And it's fermented. I, I drink ginger when I'm sick, but I can't remember like what type of sick. There we go. Get four okay. times. Do you want more? <laughs> so, Sleeping Bella has just been arisen by the um, taste of the Moscow Mule. Powers of the Moscow Mule. Now this drink can also be made with uh, whiskey. Sometimes I've seen all there's there's like five million variations on it. Um, I think there is dark gin versions. So if you get gin that's been aged in like a whiskey barrel, um, that works. Uh, it can be more floral if you use like a oh is that there's there's some hibiscus gins flying around right now. Um, largely local ones actually, um, like a uh, I think it's usually called Sakura gin. Um, good times yeah definitely recommend and uh, woo cheers to that wait you are the bartender yes are are you on your way out huh are you on your way out no I was gonna go smoke Taurus can we go outside with you did you come did you what are you a tourist? What? I am what? a tourist. April or May? Oh, first year. I, I, I like, thought you guys would be the tourist. April. My thing, my thing is that I guess I mean, I don't even really know how to describe a, a like a dive bar. What makes a dive bar? What's your definition? We had of a whole thing bar? on that. I actually. Well, that's the thing is I I actually can't even define a dive bar. Like a dive bar to me in my mind is just like any like smaller bar. It's not like like. Not going out on Chippewa. Those are those are clubs. Those <laughs> clubs. are those, those are not dive bars. No, I would. Those are places you dress up and try to impress people. If like so, a is a club because I'm not a bar. So in underground is not a club. Is it, is it in between? Is it because it can't be a dive bar? It's, it's not a dive. It's a like high end on bar. Stage, man. And the there's underground. Performed yeah. underground. Like I've gone there for tons of. I would describe. Oh as like the ultimate dialogue. Are you? Yes. Well, we're ending the night. Are we talking so... about the same Yeah. The one... the one with the pool table and that bar that goes like half circle. Yes. Yeah. That's a dive bar? Well, I you've probably only been there when they've been busy. I've, if I've been there out. for like yeah. 10 fucking if years. If you've been, if you're from out of so town. underage. If you're, if, <laughs> if, if, you've only, if you've only been there when they're busy, you'd be like, oh yeah, like it's like, the same, like, okay, so there's cathode. And yeah. Cathode and Q, I would describe as dive bars. Q, like, I believe it's a dive okay, bar. Okay, so, so Amari was so, saying I, that I've there is no such thing there. as, like, a queer dive bar. And I was I, like, I'm no, there imagine is, because it's Buffalo. Okay, this is the like, first. We're this, all dive bars. This is my first <laughs> right. queer dive bar. Okay. 
In general, like they have their- Like, you drink somewhere it's comfortable to be, you are. Yeah. I would describe, I would describe <laughs> on the other side of <laughs> They're only open on weekends. Yeah. They have a Wait, younger, the, on the other side of no, yeah. no, I've been there, but I didn't know they were only open on weekends. Granted, I only went on a Friday. Friday, Saturday, and I think Sunday. Yeah, you can't go there at like 11.30 a.m. to like get a sad beer. <laughs> so like, so like people your age, how old are you? I'm 28. Okay, so you're... I'm getting close to my age. Cheers! People your age. Yeah, as far as gay bars, if you're not going to Marcella's, yeah, which is not a actual yeah, well, that's where when I was 18, is like, actual club. yeah, yeah yes. it, used to, it used to be. And I believe yeah, that because Buffalo years ago, which fucking, I used to go there when I was 18. And like, I, I used to drink, go there and I would just like go and I used to go there when I was hang. 30 yeah, now. well, we I'm all did. Stripter <laughs> on the alcohol thing. I got yeah. I wouldn't. Club. I didn't even but, drink though. I would just go to like meet fucking people and like dance and shit. So aside from that, like, is like the club the gay club of Allen's right yeah now. it's, it's like where you like wear clothes that you'll freeze to death in yeah and then <laughs> and kind of like the dive bars and then and this is all just in my mind this yeah. is like what I oh, everything we've gotten is from like is like the to me is like a little pretentious up. bougie yes, yes. okay great because that's how I felt last weekend it's, asshole. it's a bar so naturally because it's bar it's a little it's yeah. not like you know you come in here you get like a beer but there is a, a bit of difference in perspective though like amari's coming from fucking holland like downstate and like i've lived up here my whole life so like fucking my idea of a fancy bar is like somewhere the, the glasses are like vaguely clean <laughs> oh they're clean here yeah I, oh yeah i know <laughs> and like i I've, I've been driving amari through like dive bars cute. through the north towns through fucking everywhere and i wait till the next one where we go to like all my family's idea of dive bars and sh earlier to you is that like this is like a comfortable place like it's um it's a mix a lot of people would consider it to be like an a lot of older people yeah. hang out and here. there's definitely even but like a lot of younger people hang out here too it just right. depends on the time of day and what's going on but everybody feels comfortable here it's just like with like yeah. if you go there on like a weeknight versus going there like during a party or a drag show like it's totally different i only go to the after I close this place, yeah, and, and I'm like, okay, there's, I know, yeah. I know the bartender there, and I know that there's only gonna be three other people. Like, there. I've definitely wound up in more times than I've. Are we going underground today? Oh, we're going underground. Okay. We're winding up in underground. <laughs> do you want to do a shot? Let's yeah. do a fucking shot. Hello. So we went to the Q. The Q, or is it Avenue Q? On, on Google, it's Q. Yeah, Q, Q bar. lounge bar. Yeah. It's definitely not a lounge. No, it's just a regular bar. No lounging going on there. Wait, so where did the word Avenue Q arise from? Oh my God. Because I saw it somewhere. My initial uh, sus like suspicion would be that it's like uh, Avenue um, mm -hmm. But it also, that bar has existed much longer than that was like a decent term to use within the LGBT. BTQIA community, um, you know. So there's that. I feel like it's more recent academic like catch-all. You know, saying queer like not as a slur, but as like a, an empowerment like empowered mm -hmm. term. Uh, although that might still be it. Who knows? Oh shit! We should have asked this, somebody that. Yeah, because this bar definitely existed like pre civil rights era. Yeah, and. 
it was actually one of the starting places for like the Buffalo civil rights movements. Oh yeah, what, what's that book? Um, Boots of leather, slippers of gold. But that gold, refers to lesbian bars. Oh yeah, specifically, identity. and the the connection between lesbian bars and the civil rights movement in Western New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, Great read, by the way. It's like 30 bucks on Amazon if you want to hit it on the Kindle. It might be cheaper on paperback. But uh, Buffalo born and bred author, uh, what's her name? I tried to look her on Facebook and then I realized she was 79 years old and um, did not have a Facebook. Elizabeth something? Elizabeth Lepofsky Kennedy ah, and Madeline Davis. But yeah, that, that was recommended to me by uh, Dr. Pritchard over at UB. Uh, Big ups to him. Oh God! Thank yes. you for putting us on to um, all this queer literature and films. But, I really need to tear through that. Yeah, but mm-hmm. but unfortunately, most of those bars no longer exist. We did our best to uh, spend some time at the remaining cadre of gay bars in Buffalo. There is not as many as there used to be. Um, and if you read, uh, uh, what was the name of that? Are we talking about Stone Butch Blues or Boots of Leather, Slippers of Gold? Oh, that's it. Boots of Leather, Slippers of Gold. Um, that. This is really a community that kind of disappeared before we even started the, the podcast. Even even a few years ago, there used to be more gay bars, lesbian bars, um, uh, basically extremely inclusive spaces. Uh, yeah, it was never like you get thrown out of a gay bar for being straight, as far as I know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there are spaces that definitely kept closing down at a, a startling rate. And... Uh, yeah, we, we could speculate for a while about the, the reasons for that. Um, could be that people didn't want them there. Could be that banks um, weren't willing to necessarily dump money into uh, keeping them open, like with the pink. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. Seagram's <laughs> and the, the Historical Preservation Society were kept, uh, kept pink open, but let bars two and a half blocks away with a, a gay heritage going all the way back to the civil rights movement close down. Um, I don't even think it's that. I think it's just that um, the anti-sodomy and homosexual laws that have existed before the civil rights era have been the reason why it's been shut down. And funny enough, I think I mentioned this to you earlier, that the... MNT Bank is the reason why like one of the last lesbian bars was shut down and they are today like one of the, the biggest sponsors for Buffalo Pride. And like Western New York Pride, because I know they also do um, Rochester. They march every year in the parade, and they were um, absolutely involved in, in closing down a mm-hmm. number of the the remaining bars that were uh, that were down around the Allen area, um, because before it was like a hub of gentrified fancy pants bars. It was definitely um, the hub of uh, LGBTQ I, a culture <laughs> in uh, in buffalo and uh it's uh, it's one of the sadder elements of uh the the dive bar scene that's gone away although we do have some uh, contention about that right mm-hmm. the uh can a gay bar be a dive bar personally i feel like they cannot but i think i might be wavering on that after today's experiences because i know in new york city once like the gays flock to a certain place, area, topic, trend. Everyone else wants to get on that. So like Cubbyhole could have theoretically been a dive bar. Where is Cubbyhole? 
Cubbyhole is in New York City. It's in the village. Oh, yeah. um, if you were to like take the you know AC to 14th Street and walk like a few blocks, it's right there. And that and Henrietta Hudson, it's like one of the biggest lesbian bars. So like lesbian celebrities show up there. And you can't have celebrities at a bar and call it a dive bar. No, no. no. I, I think you're right about that. If you have the whole cast of Orange is the New Black there, if you have Venus Williams, if you have... What's that um, lesbian soccer player? Rapinoe? Uh, yes. Yeah. If you have lesbian athletes showing up to a place, you can't be a dive bar anymore. And it's like, I feel like once you're... The bourgeoisie shows up. Exactly. <laughs> it's ruined The gay forever. bourgeoisie shows up, it's done. Period. But, I don't know, I might be changing that stance after the well, conversation. Well, I think it's different in Buffalo, man. I think in Buffalo, the, the history is more... First of all, the, the bar culture in Buffalo is based mostly around, like, blue collar, around getting, like, a, a good social, like, environment... As much as about the booze and whatever, darts, um, things like that. But particularly when it comes to the queer scene, uh, it's not like just being a gay bar makes it a fancy bar. And for the longest time going back, it's actually more like the seedier a joint was, the more likely they were to be accepting of everybody. Um, Not to say the patrons in that place might be. There's obviously assholes clear through and through all over the place but you know it did allow a space for you know people to go and meet people like them whereas if they were to go to other bars they might be harassed or something else and this is going back a ways you know nowadays things are a little bit different although now what you see is the gay bars getting shut down Mm -hmm. um because somebody might go to a fancier place because they could meet somebody online in a separate space and then go into a public space instead. Um, Whereas it used to be that you would have to go to a grimy, like, gay bar because that was the only place that they could afford to pay rent. And, you know, also the only place you could meet people like you and, you know, fall in love or hook up or whatever. That's... I've heard this point being, like, brought up multiple times. Yeah. How, like, the age of internet we're in right now has resulted in the decline in the gay scene. Because yeah. before, it's illegal to congregate homosexually. <laughs> um, also, like, if you're, like, gender variants, they not a fan. And that's why what, most of those bars got shut down, because they allowed for those behaviors. But now that we have things like, you know, grinder, Tinder, all that other good stuff, they like it makes it easier for us to connect with one another and kind of make the whole idea of like gay bars and gay clubs kind of yeah. obsolete. Because you can just meet online and then go to fucking Panera or something, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because like for gay clubs, I think people mostly go there for drag shows, which yeah. I have a lot or of like on cool those. events and stuff like that, you know. It, that there is still that social element, which is really cool. Um, underground, uh, the one place mm-hmm. we went tonight was uh, so that they have like a, a lot of drag shows. Um, they'll, they'll have in like very very niche uh, DJs and stuff like that, and everyone will go there and dress up uh, like they're, they're industrial and goth nights. Uh, I don't know if they still do them, but they they used to be like fantastic because everyone will go completely completely like to the nines leather you know black clothes eyeliner dancing uh, what were those jenko jeans uh the big ones the floppy 
Bottoms. Bell bottoms? No, no, no. Oh. After that, talking 90s. Um, mm. Forgetting a whole chunk of my youth. All right, whatever. You yes. know, um, yeah, so th- they still have a, a very important function on bringing the, the community together. But even, we're there, what, this is a Saturday night? Mm-hmm. And there was room around the bar, um, like open seats. And that was wild because when I used to live downtown and like hang out at Underground, um, you wouldn't be able to get a seat at the bar. Like you'd have to you know, wait for someone to get up to get a drink. And uh, now going there years later, it was pretty opened up. Like there, there was not a lot of folks there at nine, 10 at night. Um, we had almost instant bar service, which is great if you're trying to get a drink and everything, but it was a little strange in comparison to when I used to pop down the stairs there and not even be able to like get through the crowd. So that's a, that's a pretty serious change. And I, I wonder if that is due to like online dating, uh, hookup apps, stuff like that, because that used to be where you would go to like find people. <laughs> Hey, Rick. How's it going, man? Well, uh, I've got my partner Amari here if you think you're down for a quick interview. Cool. <laughs> all right. Yeah, yeah, it's Facebook Messenger. Yeah, it's all right. I'm already signing down here. I'll be paying you to sign on your computer. Oh, man. So. Uh, let's see. All right, Rick, the man, the legend. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself for the nice people that are never going to listen to this? Oh, I didn't know we're going to be, uh, doing a live taping. (laughs) Unless you want to do it another time. No. Hi, um, folks out there in Radio Land. On the radio. Or Podcastville. There we go. That, that sounds nice. Let me just start over. Hey. Hello. <laughs> um, I'm Amari. And could you... I'm, I'm Amari. Hello. Could you introduce yourself and what you do? Oh, okay. My name is Rick Platt. Um, from Hamburg, New York. I run the Electric Avenue Cafe and the Mohawk Place in Buffalo, New York. And how long have you been doing that? Sometimes I feel like it's been forever. <laughs> as long as I can remember. Um, officially, I've been at... The Electric Avenue since probably 2003. Bought out my old man in 2008. <laughs> yeah, wow. Well, what? Yeah, you should you should tell everyone the story behind that. Uh, how you actually came to came to run both of them? Well, um, it's not like a loaded story like everybody thinks. It's just. Uh, Something you you don't expect doing, um, something you do in between, you know, working at other jobs where you think you're actually going to 
do something. I worked at a firm called Rural Metro Medical Services for a while. Uh, and then I would bartend. Uh, and then I worked at another place called uh, People Inc. for a while in between bartending. And then uh, just seemed like bartending was always there, you know? <laughs> awesome. So uh, the, the gist of our podcast, is, it's about, you know, dive bars and like cheaper joints, like, you know, not necessarily like hipster bars and shit. So would you say that like electric counts as a dive bar or what, what kind of bar is it? Uh, I think it's not a dive bar. I think it is the dive bar. Really, you know, if, if I cared about what it looked like, it would look like that, you know. I care about the cleanliness level, you know. Yeah, I think we all do. I, I can't draw you a picture, you know. I mean, I can, I, I can cook for... 300, 400 people, but I can't draw you a picture to save my life, you know? All of our skills, talents, you know, it's just, aesthetics isn't one of mine. I just care if it's clean. It's definitely always been clean. What would you say a dive bar is? Pardon me? Uh, what would you say a dive bar is? Like, what makes a bar a dive bar? What makes a bar a dive bar? That's a really good question, Amari. Um, it's a, probably an appropriate level of just, uh, what's the word I want to, somewhere that's not a part of the mainstream past. Maybe it's a step back, uh, maybe it's a throwback joint, let's say, uh, you know, it's, uh, they're a holdout or, um, they've been there for... You know, the, the long haul, you know, that's usually uh, a situation where you're going to find, like, an owner-operator uh, not, you know, commercially uh, reproducible or franchisable environment. Yeah, it's definitely something special. Like, every dive bar you go into has its own sort of thing going on. You really yeah, can never find a, uh, acquired amount of just... You know, um, it's like grandma's house, you know, it takes forever to build, you know, but, you know, it doesn't really look like much. You know, a lot of things happen there over the years, you know, a lot of, you know, you celebrate all your friends' birthdays there, the good times, the bad times, you know, it's the place that's always there. It's always there, it's always had your back, it's always not cliche or it's not trendy it doesn't care if uh, you know you didn't do that well on your college program <laughs> isn't gonna yell at you it's not gonna it's not gonna judge you tomorrow for the bad decisions you made today you know it's not really supposed to have a memory it's weird i don't know well i think you guys have definitely nailed it there and like uh one of the things that always really caught me about electric specifically is how like close you guys always are with the patrons how everybody there does feel real like you know familiar like when somebody was that that fellow just passed away didn't you guys put a, a plaque on his seat yeah that dude uh, he was certainly a special individual you know it's just people that you don't realize uh mold and shape your I don't, even your why you're doing what you're doing in the first place, you know. Um, people think you want to work in a busy bar or want to work in a nightclub because you're going to make all this money. And, you know, that's all well and good. People do really good in nightclubs and 
country clubs, but you don't get the one-on-one time that like circuit bars or let's say dive bars get with their clientele. You know, based on you know just maybe their lack of economic fortitude, it just forces somebody into a different. Uh, lifestyle bracket that they, hey I can only afford to go out to these places or excuse me one second guys oh yeah yeah I'm uh, trying to use the mute button as, as sparingly <laughs> oh man alright what else do we want to ask um, do you have any favorite experiences in the time in which you were operating both Electric and Mohawk? Every time I get to go home on a costume. <laughs> <laughs> That's how always good. How much work goes into operating a dive bar? It's not all work straight through, but it's you know, some you, some some hours you're you're just most of the time you're waiting for other people to, to show up or or waiting for things to get dropped off or waiting for a salesman or waiting for somebody to come in for a job interview or their paycheck because they left their credit card. It's, that's what it is. It's just waiting around. I've done that. Oh man, definitely. Waiting, is. waiting around for Mike Wolf to show up so he can help you tear down this touchscreen computer that you want to Frankenstein into a digital media player so you can take <laughs> over the world. Oh, yeah, the I do that. Media jukebox market. So would you say that? That, we, that never went anywhere. No, no, we still got to take a crack at that. Yeah. So would you say that most of the work? that's done um, for the dive bars happen inside the setting rather than like, you know, um, perhaps from outside. Uh, I don't know. You mean like he does a lot of stuff himself? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I see what you're saying. Uh, yeah, I mean, what else is there when you're waiting for other people to show up except, you know, do a little projects here and there on, uh, on the, you know, on, on your, on your building or on your, on your establishment, you know, that's, uh, how you, how we get to, uh, how the place operates and how the place, uh, handles its daily, um, let's say client waves. Yeah, I've always thought it was uh, crazy how early you guys open up. What, what time does Electric open up every day? Uh, yeah, it's six days at 8 a.m. Oh and there's like two separate crowds. There's like the daytime crowd and then you have like the nighttime crowd. What you, it, seems, it seems like there's like five different crowds. <laughs> what do you mean by that? You know, it's, you got um, you got your nurse, your circuit regulars there's uh those are your people that are you know that you 
built up your, your relationships with over uh, the course of years that they're we were, we were talking before about uh, just being there being part of the community you know and, um, being around when people are celebrating good things and it's also uh, a place where people you know are they go to like when things aren't so good you know what I mean that's always that's always consistent for them yeah you guys have definitely been there for everyone for as long as I can remember it do you have any um, favorite crowds? Do you have any preferences? Any holiday you like, or what's your what's your favorite time to be there and hang out? What's <laughs> uh, my favorite time to be there? Uh, probably that day, good days to be at the bar. That's the same. The day before Thanksgiving, not the night, not the night before Thanksgiving, but the day before Thanksgiving, um, when the nine to fivers actually get out early and they go, you know, um, we'll get a lot of uh, office people. And I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that we don't get a lot of office people. It's the fact that the office people get to get out of work at noon. And they, they come in and they really to, you know, cut loose or just not be office people. You know, I really like that. And they can get to come in and shape that off. And finally you know, get to relax. I, I like that they can come in and be themselves, you know, instead of just putting that whole happy face thing on and just plowing through their day. I'd rather talk to and treat somebody like a i know it for 20 years, rather than go through the awkwardness of just, you know, the impropriety of, some people would call it just a little over-personal. I think that's the nice part about a dive bar. One of them. Okay, between well, it's, it's easy to get roped into you know, other people's drama and other people's negativity as well time our situation you know it's it's small it's you know like it's not a large circle of friends it's just caught up in the clicking clickiness of it between electric and mohawk is there anyone that you like more than the other is there Ooh, a bar that you that's his favorite kid <laughs> yeah yeah oh no i couldn't even they're different animals. Oh, that's that's like trying to play favorites with children. <laughs> you know, they both have their strengths. They both have their weaknesses. They both have a lot of work that they be done on the inside. I'd say that much. And Mohawk looks so much better than it did when I was younger. Because I, I remember it, it used to be a little bit, a little bit crummier. I think. I really didn't do much in there, Mike, uh, as far as uh, it. wall treatments. I did put a new subfloor and a new floor in, but uh, I didn't really move any of the sight lines or do any sort of wall treatment. Just kind of just uh, refreshed everything that was there, including the. It was a lot of mahogany. Uh, it fixed up the sound. In there. 
that needed to get redone. So what are your favorite things about electric and like one favorite thing about electric and one favorite thing about Mohawk? Um, man, you should have interviewed me when I still liked doing the bars. <laughs> <laughs> what do I like about electric? I like, it's basically, I don't want to just be taken out of character when I say this, but I'm just going to say it anyway. It's kind of just, electric is kind of that middle finger to the neighborhood. Like, <laughs> we're still here. You can't, you can't do anything about us. Gentrify this. Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I don't know. It's just, like I said, if I cared about what it looked like, it wouldn't look like that. I think the only time I was upset about it was when the uh, the wall was infested with spiders on the outside for some reason. Do you remember that? Uh, it's, it was like those mayflies were in season or something. And it was like a feeding for thousands of spiders. <laughs> thousands of spiders. Quite a, quite a few. <laughs> Yeah, but you don't realize the spiders eat the bed bugs, so it's a good thing. Oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> Doing God's work. You know, everybody's just scared of this little spider. You don't realize the, the role in the pecking order of the spider. You know? Oh, we need him. <laughs> well, you know, you can call, we can even tie that into this interview, you know. Later. Uh, serves a purpose. Just like... Uh, you know, little dive bars and little music halls, they, you know, make the difference. They make a community, you know, it adds the character of a city or of a nightlife community. And I think it's important to have owner-operator run establishments and not multi-owner conglomerate corporate structure I mean, yeah there's a level of professional detachment that um, usually is a very big gray area when you come into an owner operator establishment you know we're talking about how lines between customers and friends you know what I mean um that's the difference between a dive bar and, you know, like your cliche nightclub is just that gray area between which your clients aren't clients anymore. And, you know, you actually maybe might barbecue with them or, you know, help them move or they might help you move or vice versa. Roommate situation. I had a bartender. You were talking about the guy with the placard. Yeah. Uh, I had I had a, a dude with the placard swoon one of my bartenders and whisk her away to New England for a year and a half. <laughs> that dude with the plaque, you know. Uh, I could tell you about a story about um, a, a game of pool that was played, uh, and the winner got choice of a two quart thermos which was half full of ramen noodle soup or a one-quart thermos that was empty. 
<laughs> and that's not the funny part about that story, Mike. The funny part about that story is uh, the contestants were toothless Indian versus homeless dude in a wetsuit. In a wetsuit? Why was he in a wetsuit? It's rhetorical at this point. Oh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. So those are the things that happen in dive bars that don't happen in, you know, uh, pubs or restaurants, you know. So you said you're from Hamburg. What made you choose to open Electric and Mohawk in the location that you did? I didn't choose. They were pre-existing businesses. Okay. Uh, Electric had been in my family. My father bought that building in 1980 and he opened it sometime in 1981. He had previously okay. been in the bar industry in downtown Buffalo. He had a spot across from the Shays Buffalo, 629 Main Street, okay. above the flare. He was there. He actually took it over from his father, uh, 1958, 1961, somewhere in there. Um, yeah, he had, uh, it was his father, and they had partners, and uh, he got there and figured out that the partners were robbing his father blind or whatever, and kicked. Worked there for a while, made some money, bought the other guys out. You know, bought his old man's interests out and ran the place till 78 or 79 when uh, ripped up Main Street the first time to put in the Metro Rail. He took in 35 cents one day and was like, F this. You know, he uh, tried picking his property through eminent domain. He um, took them to court and won. You know, was bouncing around a couple of years. His accountant called him up and said, uh, here's this property. I think it'd be perfect for you. You can't just, you got to show ins and outs. The IRS is going to come after you sooner or later if you don't, you know, show ins and outs. So I made the lady an offer she couldn't refuse. And he didn't buy the building because it had a bar in it. He bought the building because it had uh, rentals monthlies. So he bought the building and remodeled a room a week until he was fully occupied. That's awesome. I didn't know it was like, just, like that. Yeah, he just uh, he opened the bar to give him something to do in between, you know, remodeling and renting rooms and all that. Yeah. You know, it used to be open at 8 or 9. He closed by 4 or 5 p.m. Was you know, it more was of a cafe for before? dinner every night? Nice. Uh, was it more of a cafe with like food and stuff before? Yeah, it was designed as. Uh, reggae was really big in the early 80s. <laughs> and uh, like I said, my father bought the building for, for the rentals. So he had a partner. Uh, they remodeled the bar, they put the neon dance bar in, they did all the stupid neon on the wall. <laughs> Some of it, which still survives today, but most of it I had to rip out uh, because it was unsalvageable. 
Um, I don't know. Uh, you guys ever heard of cocaine? Uh, <laughs> the, the partner couldn't keep up his end of the bargain, and uh, my dad couldn't trust him with keys or anything. So just that's why the bar would be closed by like five. He couldn't trust anybody to, to continue the night operations. That kind and of it worked like out big... good. He was home for dinner every night, you know. Wow. He wanted for nothing as kids. You know, it was That's good. a beautiful story, Rick. I did not know that about you. <laughs> yeah, kind of Cinderella, but a guy. <laughs> like Swan Lake, but a junk guy. This is slightly unrelated, but what is your favorite drink? Your favorite alcoholic drink? Um, my favorite alcoholic drink. There's so many. <laughs> okay, top five. Captain Soda Ginger, White Russian, Ooh. um, Seven and Seven. Um, why was that? That's like three. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Um, Jaeger. I was going to ask about the Jaeger stickers all over the wall at Electric. Uh, that just started one stupid night. Um, I don't know. I was doing dishes, and the bottle just fell in the middle sink. And then uh, when I pulled it out, the label was half off. So I just pulled it off, and I slapped it on. And then I did another one, and then I did another one. And now both two walls of my bar are covered in Jägermeister labels. That wasn't the plan originally. Wanted to do the one wall in Jägermeister, and we wanted to do the other wall in Rumplemints, but Rumplemints. we didn't really get that far. Like, you would do, like, two or three shots of Rumplemints in the evening, and you'd forget why you were doing them. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, oh, my God. That's a lot of Rumplemints. Um, <laughs> shots? Top five shot. Tolly, Jäger. Um, top five, so tough. Jaeger, Tully. I don't know the the whole um, crown crown royal. What was that that you guys always had? It was like pecan pie hole or something. Oh, uh, that was a fad. That was. Not great. <laughs> no, no, it's I, like I did. Very hazelnutty. Very syrupy. Something that belongs on pancakes. That might actually be good. <laughs> yeah, I really don't have a favorite drink. My taste buds are all over the place. It depends on how bad of a day I had. <laughs> Do you have any favorite memories of either something that happened in Electric or Mohawk or anything related to owning a bar? Uh, every day is, is probably my favorite day. That's hard one. Because I don't have a roof that I have to be stuck onto or, you know, it's, it's unlike any other job that I've ever had, you know. And I'm probably just socially broken now. <laughs> no, no, it's weird. It's like... You're never the same, you know, when when you go into a restaurant 
after you've worked in the restaurant industry. You know, you're always like wondering how long stuff's going to take. You're always looking at like, uh, once you put your hands on the table, you know, you're like feeling your own hands. I don't know if it's just me. I don't know, maybe other people do that too. <laughs> Notice if you're sticking to the floor or not. <laughs> how long has been since this floor has been mopped? <laughs> Right? I don't even just mean that rhetorically. We're in a classroom at UB and the floor is kind of disgusting. Yeah. I, well, there was a nightclub. It used to be on the corner of Delaware and Chippewa mm -hmm. that was uh, carpeted. What the hell? <laughs> it's like putting carpet in yeah, a bathroom. Full, full carpet. That's, that's just fucked up. Yeah, it's not open anymore. I don't think so. The health department probably got to them because there must have been roaches living underneath the carpet. No. <laughs> all right man well thank you so much thank you so much for taking a half an hour with us that's that's just uh inkling into the uh <laughs> that's just a scratch barely scratching the surface of what we do there bring in on another episode this is the only one where you need to talk to an expert but you're always welcome on the cast man cast the pod thanks for having me i hope it was <laughs> um editable for your listeners. <laughs> yeah, they'll get through it one way or another. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> Thank you again, man. Have a great night. I'll see you around I'm, lucky. I'm really lucky that they don't even have to uh, look at me during this. So. Yeah, this, is, this is totally blind. <laughs> yeah. That's great. You're, you're freaking hilarious. <laughs> All right, man. Have a great night. Thank you. You too, man. Good Thanks night. for having me on. Uh, you're welcome. See you. And we're good. All right. So uh, let's see. Closing out the episode with dive stars for dive bars as usual. The three bars we went to this evening had been Avenue or the Q bar. The Q or Avenue Q, uh, depending on. What <laughs> your source? The lesbian bar with the word flavors in it, replacing the bend music. Yeah, it used to be the bend, and then it became exchange. And uh, now we actually have not been able to find the name of it anywhere yet, and they haven't been open uh, early enough for me to stop and find that out. Um, so the bar that used to be exchange, the bar formerly known as um, exchange. It's a baby bar. It's two weeks. It's, and it's, underground. Yeah. yeah, and Club Underground, um, the, the staple of gay bars um, and definitely drag shows and everything else, um, heading further towards downtown over on Delaware there, um, right by Annie DeFranco's Babeville. So why don't you go first with your dive stars? All right. So for starting in the order that we went, um, looking at Q, Q had uh, pretty sweet drink specials. It was nice and... Uh, Relaxed, man. Uh, definitely like a, a very divey feel. I actually hadn't spent much time there before, and I was I was super surprised by the fact that it still felt nice and divey, and uh, in a good way. And it wasn't wasn't like overly filthy. There wasn't it wasn't exactly only the scoundrels there, but you know it, it definitely was a cool place. The bartender was pretty talkative uh, at one point, and um, yeah, I mean I'm going with uh, hmm, let's see here. I'll give them a 4.12. 4.12 dive stars for dive bars. Uh, if we're going down the list then, 
um, the in-between bar that shall not be named yet. Uh, <laughs> um, wasn't too divey. Uh, it was fun. It was definitely a lot of fun, but it was like a little cleaned up, definitely cleaned up from how it used to be back when it was the bend. Um, and exchange tried to be like a bro bar, if you will. So like they ruined the atmosphere there, but now it is back to being slightly divier. I'm going, I'm going with a 3.4, 3.4. Yeah. 3.40. Sounds good. Um, and then we're, we're going up to, uh, club underground, which the one bartender actually insisted was what the diviest dive bar or something like that. Did he really say that? I think he may have exactly said that. And, uh, that kind of struck me as odd because they have a dance floor and like, you know, it, there is certain divey aspects to it. I get that. If we're talking dive bars, stars, dive stars for dive bars, then it's like a 2.9 because it's, it's kind of nice. In my opinion, they do have some divey elements though, like buckets of rolling rock, any, any bar you can get a bucket in. It's definitely a step towards a dive bar. Um, you know, and it, it can be a little, uh, shifty sometimes i think in a in a in a way that i like yeah what do you think my um i think my ratings are significantly different from yours oh, oh dang <laughs> i would give uh the q bar a higher score only because I, you know i said this multiple times i didn't think it was possible for a gay bar to be a dive bar and they absolutely proved me wrong oh Spicy. Yes. I'm going to give them a five. Also because I loved it a lot. It was really nice. <laughs> um, and based off of the other bars we went to, they kind of had the same feel, except, you know, this one was gay. Um, for the newer bar, was it the flavors one, the lesbian one? I think I'm going to be a little more generous only because they've only been open for two weeks. They are brand new. Um, there was nothing about it that seemed you know, not dive bars. It was a little dark, a little suspicious. <laughs> there wasn't much happening. It was really chill, especially since we were on what, a Saturday night. I think it was a Saturday and it was pretty quiet given the, the fact that it was a Saturday. It was probably also because it's new. And yeah, I don't even think anybody knows. I don't even know if their sign is up yet, which has been part of the confounding factor. I drove by and I didn't see anything. <laughs> I don't think they have a sign. <laughs> So one could argue maybe it's because they're new, but we could also use that and say maybe it's because they're a little dive. Yeah, yeah, like Jake's sign, I don't, I don't think worked for a good year. <laughs> I'm going to give them a 3.5 just because it's go. open to interpretation. Underground, the fact that she said that he said that about Underground shows that he might be a little delusional and might not know what a dive bar <laughs> is. Nothing about Underground either this time or the time I've been before, gave me dive bar energy. No, DBE. <laughs> Literally, okay, so the first time I went, they asked for my ID twice. Solid. Not saying that a dive bar wouldn't do that. I'm just saying very suspicious. That'll think it's diving the score up. The dance floor also doesn't really give me dive bar energy. Funky Monkey also has a dance floor, which I think would subtract from their score. But Funky Monkey feels more divey. I'd say you're right about that. We didn't get to make it there, though. Ah, next time. Next episode. We should. <laughs> Not next episode, episode, but yeah. Um, their bathrooms, I can't remember what they are like. But I'm not terribly uncomfortable in them. They're normal bathrooms. They're pretty normal. 
And I don't remember how much drinks cost there. So I'm just going to give them a 1.98. The Russian judges over here. I'm, it's not divey. It's nice. No, it's it is. It's a really nice place to go. Yeah. <laughs> but this is a, a dive bar podcast. Exactly. All right. So uh, next time, hopefully, uh, we're going to be delving a little bit more into the history, the back end, uh, the behind the bar, and uh, what else we can do uh, in regards to the history of the dive bar scene in Buffalo. Uh, we're going to see who we can get a hold of for that one because it's always a little bit challenging with these. And God knows if we can trust any of the history we actually hear from people, but at the very least, it'll be fun. Um, so look forward to that um, in our next release. Thank you guys so much for listening. You've been listening to Dive Bars. The Last Call with Mike Wolf. And Amari Falls. Have a great night, everybody.